From the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Well, hello, it's great to have you here. You are finding yourself at the Badass Counseling Show podcast. Uh, I am your host, Sven Erlinson, and it's great to see you. You're looking so good today. I am joined in studio by KC over there in the booth and Rob the Rocket sitting next to me. Rob, Yo, how are you? I'm very well. Did you ever notice, you know, we're on this live stream when we're taping the podcast, man. Did you ever notice that you look better in the mirror than you do when you see yourself on video or in a picture? You ever notice that? No. It's because when you look in the mirror, it's your impression of yourself. And when you look at the video or the picture it's other people's impression of you which is probably more accurate but i'm okay wow there we go wow see i you know you know how much i believe in parental imprinting so if mommy always said i'm such you're such a beautiful boy how, how can i watch a video and not think i'm such a beautiful boy yeah well they told me i was smart <laughs> well that's good so when you look in the pictures you think man that is a devilishly smart looking man right <laughs> You have nothing to worry about yourself. Well, you're very kind. I don't buy a lick of it, but and I have five older siblings who would <laughs> they tell you you're full of it. I understand, though, Rob, in one of the upcoming episodes, we are going to have a special guest on the show, and I'm not going to disclose it. You can call me whatever names you want to call me, but perhaps the single most beautiful human being that has ever come into this studio. Really? What, Carly? <laughs> That's a cat, Rob. Not, not a human being. Okay. All right, Thank all right. Person. Let's get to work. Rob, uh, tell us about Ellie, please. I would be happy to, Sven. Here's what Ellie said to us. After I first wrote you, I ended up listening to several episodes and ended on Breaking Up is Hard to Do with Walker. That was back on May 25th, by the way. That episode was gut-wrenching. I was hearing myself and his ex-girlfriend. Then you ended the show with What Truth is Too Painful to Face, and I started crying. I was that person. I was the one cheating and leading on another innocent guy. I was lying to my boyfriend and didn't have the courage to cleanly walk away. I should have left about three years prior, but that's no excuse. My now ex-BF becoming suspicious last year, then I lied. I went away on a four-day trip with the other guy. I lied. The BF had more information. I lied and lied and lied, and I was filled with shame. I wanted to tell the whole truth, but there was a stronger hold to keep quiet. I have a really awful past with sexual abuse as a child from my mother, sexual assault starting in high school that I believe I invited, rape, an ex-husband who had numerous affairs, and my one affair, another sexual assault from a friend, me cheating three times and more. The XBF knows about some of it. No one knows all. If I admitted to the cheating, then he had full power over me to call me the whorest of whores, the most manipulative, deceptive, despicable, worthless human being of a whore. I was afraid of his full anger on me. I'm broken enough. I can't fight his voice. Then my Assembly of God Pentecostal mother's voice would add to it. Growing up, she often called me a whore. If I wasn't a whore already, I would become one. If two people who are supposed to love me say I'm a whore, how do I fight it and say that's not really who I am? I couldn't lie anymore when the XBF obtained security video footage from a hotel. The gentlest accusation is... I'm a serial whore. I never acknowledged any of these things. I'm so deeply afraid if I don't heal this, I will be a whore for the rest of my life, and no one wants that. I have work to do. I don't know what will happen, but I'm going to give it a shot, starting with your book, and thank you. Ellie, welcome to the show. 
Good morning, Sven. It's great to have you here. Um, that is a very powerful uh, bio. When the producers sent it over to me, uh, they said, Sven, you need to read this one. Um, they pick who goes on the show, and I read, read this one, and I agreed with them that that is a very, very powerful bio. Um, uh, I, let's just go ahead and uh, get to work here. Sexual abuse as a child from my mother. Um, not uncommon per se, but yeah, it is. It's that's an unusual thing. Sexual abuse is is odd, and we horrible, heinous, but it's somewhat odd, I think, for a lot of people to think that it might be committed by a mother onto a daughter. Um, mm-hmm. w- to what degree are you comfortable just sharing a little bit of background into that story? Any at all? Could we ask you to share just a bit? There, there is, there's some comfort. And in, in fact, I spent some time seeing as I started writing with this, if I can remember most of it, one of the incidents is that just plagues me over and over is I'm in eighth grade. I'm sitting on my bed. And at this particular time, my best friend and I were just starting to explore periods and tampons and pads because her older sister was sitting down with us. I hid a tampon underneath my double bed. My mother burst in the room that morning and said, are you having sex? I mean, she is angry. She is so mad. And she is so violent in, in her body and everything toward me. She's walking toward me with this tampon she found. Are you having sex with yourself? If you aren't, I'm going to do it to you. I'm going to show you how it's done. And then you'll never want to have sex again. And I, I didn't know how to respond. There were times where it was, do I need to examine your do I need to examine your vagina? If you don't behave, I'll, I'll, you know, are you keeping that clean? Do I need to examine that for you? And, and being a little kid and fighting that off. And there were a couple of times, you know, being held down to make sure that I was clean and, and just being touched everywhere. Um, so part of growing up was I had no problem covering myself, just covering my body, covering, covering everything and making sure that I wasn't seen, and then also making sure I was as far out of hand reach as I could possibly get. There, it was not safe to share a shower with my mother. It was the weirdest thing. I woke up in bed as a little child, sick with my father naked, laying next to me. It was the only time I'd ever been allowed in, in that bed was sick. And I told my mother, I don't like this. And she said, get over it. There was nothing wrong. And I could not, I can't. I haven't been able to let that go. Okay, just so I can understand. Just trying to get it all straight in my head, okay. The involvement of father was that, was a one-off? Was that time? It was a one-off. Okay, and you wake up in bed, you're sick, and he's laying next to you naked. Yep. And you are approximately how old? I'm thinking like six, five years old. Six years old, dad is there, and no recollection. Uh, I mean, you are sick, so I know when I'm sick, I pass out. I mean, especially if I've got, you know, NyQuil in me or whatever, I'm out, out. So things could have happened that you might not have even woken up for. Exactly. Okay. And mom's response, and you told her about this, and mom's response was, get over it. Is that correct? 
get over it. He's your father. Why are you thinking so badly of him? Okay. And, um, and then backing up on the rest of it, just so I'm clear, all right? If I say anything that is offensive, please call me out. I have no problems apologizing. We are on extraordinarily sacred ground here, okay? First of all, let me acknowledge how horrible it is, and I'm so sorry. And I have no doubt that you've probably shared this before in therapy or something. Not at all. You're, you're shaking never. your head no. Never. This is the first time. How are you feeling? Yeah, I shared I shared the sleeping incident once with somebody and they went, Oh, well, don't worry about it. He probably didn't do anything. Oh and after my that, God. Having that yeah. dismissiveness just nope, nobody of course. gets to hear this. Of course, hundred percent. Of course. You I support that decision two thousand percent. If it's not safe to share the secrets, you damn right you protect yourself. Absolutely. Best decision. Um yep. so Literally, this is the for other than that one time about the father incident. This is literally the first time you've ever told that father story again and ever told the mother stories. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I, I have to pause then and ask you how you doing and what's going on inside of you. Help us understand what you're experiencing right now, what it's like to tell that secret for the very first time ever. And you're may I ask how old are you, Ellie? I'm 40. You're 40. Never told this secret. What are you feeling right now? I really want to leave my body. I want to disconnect. Everything is tight. My chest is heavy. I feel like if you were to strap me down, I could still break through and leave this. It's that powerful. How badly I want to walk away. Not walk, just run. Run and never look back. And is that because you've told the secret or because you're feeling all the feelings that accompany the secret? Help me understand. I think it's both. The fact that I'm telling means I'm bringing it up. And the work that I've been doing lately is I've been willing to start feeling these things. I work in healthcare. And so I know that unless you clean that wound out, you just keep dealing with pus and infection and it hurts to clean it. Mm. And so it's, but then there's this fear of, oh my God, somebody out there is going to hear this. And the encouragement to come here today was somebody out there is going to hear this and be helped like I was. But it's just somebody knows me now with this. Oh my God, it is so scary. Yeah. And f so that our listeners know, uh, we have changed Ellie's name. So uh, her her identity, we offered that to her. She chose to take us up on that. Um, and so we are protecting her privacy. First of all, I got to say, I the level of courage, I don't even think I know that level of courage. I And I think a lot of our listeners may know because I know a lot of our listeners have lived exactly what you're experiencing right now with their own abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, a trauma of any sort. But this is of the highest magnitude. And uh, wow. So you have literally thousands of people around the world right now in awe of you. 
Thank you for that encouragement. It's true. It's true. So the primary feelings you're feeling are heaviness in your chest. Okay. Yep. What else? What else are you feeling either physically or feelings-wise? Help me understand. So another interesting piece, there's, there's another doctor that talks about the body shaking to release trauma. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to control the shaking. Don't have to. And so that's, that's coming up, but it's kind of helping me stay present because I'm feeling it. Good. Good. Um, I feel like I want to just pass out. Mm-hmm. Like I just, there's just a headache now because of this. Mm-hmm. It was just so much to release and just say this. Mm-hmm. But at this point, now that it's been like a minute and a half, it's just, I said it. I actually fucking said it. Oh my God, I said it. I did it. I did it. I did it, Sven. I did it. You did it. Wow, I did. You did it. That six-year-old, seven-year-old, eighth grader, teenager, 20-something, found her voice. You gave that six-year-old who woke up that morning her voice. You set her yeah. free. You've begun to set her free. Could me once again. Okay, let's let's keep let's go. Let's, <laughs> I started this. There's, I can stay here. All right. I can do this. All right. I just wanted to give you room. There's no rush. There's oh, no yeah. rush. Okay. All right. So heaviness. What now? What about your typical sort of feelings? Words. What feelings would you use to describe what you're feeling right now? Mad, sad, bad, glad, frustrated, melancholy, exuberant, excited, uh, lethargic. Give me a give me some more feeling words. You had mentioned heavy. What? Give me another feeling word. Relieved. I'm not dead. Okay. It didn't kill me. Um, Encouraged. A little joyful. I I said this. (laughs) I am brave enough. I am strong enough. Um, it was deep sadness with some horror mm. in telling you originally. Mm. And then just like extreme sadness mm. at, I'm telling this about my mother. Mm. That's not what you tell about your mother. I mean, not as in like, I don't need to tell about my mother, but that's not what a mother should be doing. Mm. No regret. No regret. I am not regretting this in any way. Okay. Just for a moment, could you... Welcome up for for a few minutes here. Could you welcome up all of those feelings of sadness, all feelings of sadness, not just around uh, I'm telling this about my mom, but you can think about that one if that helps bring it up. Could you for the moment welcome all of your feelings of sadness into your full consciousness right now? Yeah. Yeah, I can bring those okay. up. Okay, would you? And and just give me a yes or no on each of these questions. I'm just going to cycle you through a, a series of questions here, and we're going to cycle okay. through again, okay? And the last question okay. uh, the last question is a time question, but there are four yes-no questions. Uh, would you welcome up all of the feelings of sadness? As much as I can. Could you let go of the sadness? I want to. So I yes, yes or no? To. Okay. Yes. yes. And lastly, would you let go, would you let go of the sadness if it meant finally being free and happy and alive? Yes. When? Yes. Starting now. Okay, I'm going to go through again. Okay, so now you know the sequence. Could you welcome up all of a lifetime of sadness into your full consciousness right now? Yes. 
would you welcome up a lifetime of sadness? Yes. Could you let go of the sadness? Yes. Would you let go of the sadness if it meant finally being free of it? Yes. When Would you give me a second just put absolute, myself on mute and just cry it out for a minute? And you can you absolutely can put it on mute. You can absolutely stay on. It's totally up to you. Thank you for that. That was just a lot. Yeah. Just there's a no, lot. There's no rush here, Ellie. There's no rush. <laughs> I'm going to go deeper. There's a second sequence of questions that I want to ask you. There's a belief, for those of you that don't know, and Ellie, you may not know, but what I'm using right now is uh, one of the books, the methodology from one of the books that I recommend in my book. This methodology is not mine. I did not create it. I just use it, and I believe in it as a powerful tool, just as I believe in journaling, and I believe in letter writing. I believe in another technique uh, by a different author, but this is the Sedona Method, as created by Lester Levinson back in the 50s and 60s and forwarded by his disciple, Hal Dwoskin, very smart and compassionate man. Um, and it's a sequence of questions that uh, they create all different iterations to help bring up. And the belief is that when we stuff those feelings down, as you've heard me say before, Ellie, you know, on the show and so forth, yeah. it's when we stuff it down, when we don't welcome the feeling, we fundamentally... Uh, Box it up and put it inside, and that's where all our pain comes from. Okay, so I'm going to take it one step deeper. Is your sadness that you're feeling? Is it the result of a longing for control, a longing for security, or a longing for approval? If it were one longing of the, for security. Okay. Oh my gosh, security. Okay, so I'm going to cycle you through on security this time, not sadness. Could you welcome your feelings? of longing for security. Yes. Would you welcome a lifetime of feelings of longing, aching for security? Yes. Could you let go of all of your feelings of longing for security? Yes. Would you let go of a lifetime of longing for security if it meant finally having peace in your soul? Yeah, yes. When? Right here, right now. You're doing great, Ellie. You're doing great, okay? Could you let go of a lifetime of longing for security, all the weight and all the heaviness of that longing? Could you let go of a lifetime of longing for security? Yes. Would you let go of a lifetime of longing for security and all that it makes you feel? Could you let go of a lifetime of longing for security if it means finally being free? Yes. When? when? Right now, right here. I want to check in what's going on inside of you right now. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's going on inside? The image. There were no images with sadness. The image with security that came back to me is I'm in the middle of the pasture. North, north, north where I came from. And there's wind and there's things. 
And I'm just a little girl with my arms out, keeping myself secure. And when you asked me if I was willing to let go, my first thought was, I can't tell that girl to stop. But then the second round was, come here. It's okay. And just me wrapping my arms around myself Mm. in my mind Mm. gave me the strength, allowed my mind to calm down a bit and then be and I'm telling myself as I'm hearing you it's okay you'll be okay it's okay you can come back it's okay <laughs> and that feels so good that I've not had anybody do that I've never wanted to pull her back from that space I've never been able to tell her in that space in the pasture, you said that she's in the pasture. Does she feel, what is the little girl feeling? That little girl inside of you, when you when I brought up security, what's she feeling out there in the pasture? Help me understand. Safety. There is nobody to say anything to her. There is nobody to touch her. There is nobody to hit her. And she can see for miles. Mm. And so if anybody comes, if the mother comes, she can run. And she has been doing that ever since. And so you going to that little girl and putting your arms around her, you say, and calling her back, uh, bringing her back, calling her back to what? I'm always going into the wind. I'm always running. It's time to stop running. Safety and security is not in always running away to keep yourself safe. Why? It's time to stop. Okay, why? When, and I know this is going to sound silly, but it's an honest question, okay? And feel free to throw it out if it's if it's too stupid. But why does the little girl not run when she sees you coming, the adult you? I have a, I have a relationship with the little girl. I've always been able to talk to her. We've always been able to, I've always been able to keep going. You've got this, fight it through. But wait. I feel like I'm the only one I trust. That voice I trust. Why would the little girl trust the horrorist of horrors, the bad person that you see yourself as as an adult? Why does that little girl not see you as that bad person? I don't believe I am. That's it. I do not. I do not believe I am. That's it. But I have not been able to say that to anybody. That's it. And feel like I believed except for myself. And I'm losing myself. You were. Not anymore. I was. Not anymore. You're right. Ellie, we're going to take a little break, okay? Uh, We're going to take a commercial break. And you just take a minute. Just hang out. Get a drink of water if you need it. I'm a little worried. You know, I don't want your muscles cramping up. Uh, because of water, whatever. Uh, we're just, there'll be more to come right after this short break. You've heard Sven talk a lot about his book, There's a Hole in My Love Cup. And that's because Sven hears from his followers a lot about how much the book has helped them. If you're not sure how to handle the issues getting in the way of a better life, you're not alone. And you have a lot of choices. But thousands of readers will tell you that this is a great place to start, by yourself and at your own pace. So go to badasscounseling.com and order There's a Hole in My Love Cup 
and you'll have Sven right there with you as you forge your best future. It's totally badass. So get started today. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. Great to have you back. We are here with Ellie and discussing uh, some really powerful stuff. Ellie, I, this is actually the first time on the show that I've ever taken someone fully through a couple of sequences uh, using the Sedona method. And um, I thank you for allowing me to do that because I'm betting it was new to you. Uh, yes. Okay. And, uh, and I want to get your experience on that in a second and, and keep uh, plowing forward. I do want to share with um, our, those uh, who are watching uh, the, uh, the feed live on YouTube, and I want to sort of paint a portrait for those who are not or make a movie with your imagination. When releasing, Ellie uh, was experiencing in her face contractions in her face, shrinking up and the crying. You could hear the crying. There are times where she's moving her arms um, and uh, at times feeling her chest and so forth. These are physical, natural physical responses. You mentioned shaking, that that fellow who had written the book, and shaking happens when we bring up feelings. Uh, one of the forms of counseling that I was first trained in was what's called co-counseling or reevaluative counseling. And one of the notions in there is that is basically the same thing. When we are bringing up feelings, especially ones that have been stored for a long time, it comes with, the, you feel it on your skin, and or you have a reaction. Shaking is one of them. Laughing is another one. Crying is another one. When I use the Sedona method on myself, when I was doing my heaviest work with Sedona about 15, 20, uh, 17 years ago, I found myself, when I was doing my deepest stuff on the most powerful stuff and memories, I was always going like this and I could never understand why. I was always rubbing my forehead so hard. And then I realized I'm, this is just a form of shaking. It's a form of physical release. And the parallel is when you're nervous, when you're nervous, my, my pits sweat. I shake a little bit sometimes if I'm really nervous. Uh, I have to pace. And so I'm having a physical response to an emotion. You're having a physical response to an emotion. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's welcoming that. And so you're getting a physical release uh, as we're talking about it, as we're bringing up the feelings. And that's how you know, oh, shit, I've hit gold. Oh, this is good. This is exactly where I need to be. This is where the healing is happening. If I'm having, and we don't always have the physical response when we're journaling, when we're doing Sedona method, when we're writing a letter, we don't always, but oftentimes there is. Crying's the one we all know, or just feeling really tight and mad and so forth. But you're experiencing these other ones. That's a sign you're right in it. You're right where you need to be. So having taken you through it, and, and the thing is you keep cycling through until the feeling whether there's a physical uh, feeling of the tightness or the rubbing your neck or stretching or yawning, whether you're having that or not, uh, once until the feeling is gone, you just keep cycling through. It's simple. I do it when I'm driving. I did it this morning when I was driving to the studio. I was uh, some stuff that had gone on this week, and I was thinking about it, and I'm releasing the feelings. Okay, so you're having those responses is a good thing. You're feeling it. So tell us, what was it like to feel the feelings coming up and out of you? Overwhelming. Um, when you first asked me the question until I stopped and thought about it, I really wasn't going to feel anything because that ability to block it so well developed in me. And then it was just this 
it just all it's it's like a wave that just came up the well that just blew up um and i couldn't get away from it fast enough so i i i started it i'm in it um i almost wanted to vomit Mm. just from it yep and I can see if I if I didn't know some breathing and just being able to move my body, man, that would just be so much. The body can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And it was I, my fingers are tingling because I hyperventilated a little bit. <laughs> um, and now it's I'm I'm yeah, cold, sweaty, mm. a little sick still. Yeah, but it almost felt good. The good cleaning mm-hmm. of you know, I don't know if I can fully take this anymore right now and right. keep going. This is a lot, but oh, this is a great feeling of relief, of freedom, of hearing my voice and the comfort of, okay, this is a safe process. Because that's the scary thing, isn't it? That if I bring all this up, it'd, it'd overwhelm me and kill me. It'd, I wouldn't survive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is something... Uh, Ellie, this is something you and to our listeners, this is something you can do on your own, but you, Ellie, this, the point is we pulled out of it pretty quickly. I just want to take you through a couple of times mm-hmm. and, and so that you could experience more than anything, not so much the relief. Cause, um, you know, if you, you got to cycle through it a bunch of times and the relief does come just like the journaling or just like when you first said the story, told us the story there, the, the, the relief does come, the release does come, but I wanted you to experience more importantly than that, your own courage to welcome it up. Yeah. Which yeah, there was that. Cause there was a choice, split second choice. I couldn't, I couldn't dwell on it. Right. I had to make it so fast. Right. And so, yeah. and so in the book, when I talk about, I think it's chapter three, when I talk about running, we spend our whole lives running, self-medicating, whether it's booze or pills or sex or gambling or overworking, overparenting, whatever, it's that's the running. That what you just experienced right there is what everyone runs from, and you stopped running, and you turned into that giant tidal wave that you've been running from your whole life. That tidal wave of all the memories and all the feelings, and you said, "Fuck this, <laughs> fuck this," yep. and you turned into it. That's the act of courage. You stopped and turned into it, and. <laughs> And it all came up, that well, that expo- well that exploded, as to use your words, I think of a gusher like oil just burst. Oh, yeah. yeah. Before we go back yeah. into your the bio that you sent us, I just want to highlight the most important thing other than your courage today. And that is your words when I asked you, why isn't the little girl scared? And you said of you, if you're the horrorist of horrors and this bad person then why does the little girl trust you? If she's got, can see miles and you're getting closer and she sees you and she lets you come, if she's so attuned and hyper attuned to anybody who might do her damage, yet she stands there as you approach, she must not sense you as bad. And you said it's be, that she lets him approach because I don't believe it. I don't believe that the adult me is bad. That's it. That's it. That's the divine spark. Yeah. Deep inside of you, still burning. That is the voice of your soul that has not been extinguished. That is your truth. That was, I was afraid to hear that it had gone. It's only gone when life ends. 
It, 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 it burns. It's always there. The voice of the soul, some, for those who are God people, the voice of God, the, the divine flame is always burning. We just have to find it. We have to start pulling out all the crud. And so if that divine flame is yeah. burning, and we saw today that it is, because that just spit right out of you, I don't believe it. Then if that's true, that means that all the other voices are false. <laughs> I could run with that. I, I know, and and that too is a process because you've been the virus has so infected so much of you, and the and the pipes have become so corroded that you've not been able to like that that pilot light under your your water heater, you know, or that the pilot light's burning, but it's not getting enough gas yep. to go. Whoosh, and stoke it to full flame and heat up the fucking water. So I'm taking all these cold showers, right? Yeah. And so we're getting in there and we're pulling out the corrosion inside those pipes so that we can start inside the, you know, to the copper tubing, whatever it is, so that we can start pumping in more gas to heat it up, to warm you inside. You said you're feeling cold, right? And feeling yes. sick and wanting to vomit, just so you're aware. Uh, vomiting is something that I do see. Uh, I've seen with clients and and when using Sedona and or when having massive realizations or massive release, vomiting can actually be a really good indicator of good things happening. Um, so you don't necessarily have to fight that. If it comes, it comes. Okay. It's not the end of the world. It's a nat natural human function. Um, yeah. But yeah, you Thank don't you. believe it. You don't believe it. And so back to this bio. And I'm going to reread just a part of it so our guests on the show, our, our listeners, can be reminded, I have a really awful past with sexual abuse as a child from my mother, sexual assault starting in high school that I believe I invited. You didn't. Um, uh, rape, an ex-husband who had numerous affairs, and uh, my one affair, another sexual assault from a friend, me cheating three times and more. The ex-boyfriend knows about some of it. Um, I was afraid to tell him because he'd call me the whorest of whores, the most manipulative, deceptive, despicable, worthless human being of a whore. Right, um, all of it wrong. Um, I was afraid of his full anger on me, right? I'm broken enough, I can't fight this voice. Then my this, um, Pentecostal mother's voice would add to it. Growing up, she often called me a whore. If I wasn't a whore already, I'd become... Growing up, she often called me a whore. I, I'm not at a loss for words, but I get people's yelling at me sometimes when I swear too much. But uh, your mom, she can, she's a fucking horrible person. Who the fuck says that to a fucking child? What the, who says it to anybody? To anybody? Who the, who the fuck does right? that? What is that? That's, that's so beyond disgusting to me. Now, I have fucked up as a parent, but what the fuck is that? We're in a whole other realm here. Every single one of us fucks up as parents, right? But we're in a different realm. We're talking about malice. Malice. I I'm sorry. You can't, nobody can chalk that up to, oh, she had a rough childhood. Fuck that shit. She doesn't, she, nobody, that's just beyond anything. You had a fucking heinous mom. And a disgusting mom and a disgusting dad. Whether he touched you or not, and why do we have any reason to believe that he didn't? Why the fuck is he laying naked in bed next to a child, boy or girl or non-binary? Why is he laying there in bed next to a child naked? 
why and why is your mother doing these things? I, I want to ask, and this is going to sound like a, this may sound strange, but it, it's coming from an honest place. If it offends you, I have no problems apologizing. All right. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Did your mom's sexual assaults of you from uh -huh. the first time to the later times, was it, it's it, assault is always an act of violence, right? But was it, as far as you know, with an intent on her part, not that her part matters, fuck her, but with an intent to get sexual arousal for herself or simply uh, horribly to rage on you, to hurt you, to what, what, how have you framed it in your head? Absolute control and absolute, absolute manipulation. I've never thought of it any other way, but just control. Tear down, control, control tear manipulation, down. tear down, and then the calling of whore. Like I said, that that's clearly malice. That's meanness. That's cruel. That's fucking cruel. So it wasn't just um, not that this is necessarily acceptable, but plenty of parents control their children. I'm doing it for the kids on good. You know, you have to be in at nine o'clock. You don't get to use the car this weekend. I mean, that's I hate to say it's excusable, but in light of this, yeah, that's fucking nothing. All right. Um, okay, so, but then you use words like tear down, and we know she's calling you a whore. Um, how many siblings in your family? Three. I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. You come along, and approximately how old was your mom when you were born? 30, and she did not want me. She finally admitted that. Did there it not. Is. Finally, and when you say finally, when did she admit that? Oh, I was probably mid-20s. So she's in her 50s, and she admits, I didn't want you. I didn't want a baby, period. I didn't want you. I didn't want a baby, but that's what you did. Right. And then, so it's reasonable to assume. We're, we're trying to find an origin for why she's not just controlling and manipulating, but tearing you down and calling you horrible names and being cruel. And then and to the point of beyond cruel. I mean, what she was doing to you in the sexually assaulting you and, and the name calling and all that, it was it was just, it was disgusting. It was despicable. That it's she hated you. Is it, is it unreasonable for me to say she clearly hated you? I think so, because what I'm not telling you is about the spiritual abuse, the physical cool. abuse, the verbal abuse. I'm curious. I what not include that. What just, um, I'm curious mostly about, for the moment, uh, the spiritual abuse. Okay. Some readers will understand this based upon their churches. I was held down on the floor by my mom and my dad. My dad went along with it, and my mother prayed over me, anointed my forehead in oil, and cast the demons of rebellion out of me. Oh, oh that's rich. And I was and so afraid. I was so afraid because all I wanted to scream was, I'm not rebellious. I just said no to, I very rarely could ever say no. So at this point, I don't remember what I said no to. No, I don't want to have my little sister come along with me. It was something so innocuous. And the extreme of I am demon possessed with spirits of rebellion and anger. And I get held down. What little child should ever be held down? Anyway. No, not at all, ever. No, I, I mean, how old were you? This would have been somewhere within that eighth grade, give or take. Yeah. You're, and anybody who's, you get older and you realize how young eighth grade really is. Um, and you use the phrase, dad went along with it. So you're clearly indicating mom was the, in the driver's seat. Just out oh, of curiosity. Mary. 
Just out of, very briefly, what was the distribution of power in that relationship? In other words, what percent did mom have? What percent did dad have? 95.5. Okay, so mom was, dad was, it appears, and we know mom rages, obviously, when we're seeing that. And mom runs the show, dad's afraid of mom. So would it be reasonable or apart from, in addition to his laying next to you naked and the sickness of that... And I don't mean sick, oh, you know, he's got a fever. I mean sick, like that's fucked up. Uh, Dad laying next to you naked while you're sleeping, in addition to that, would it be safe to say that one of the biggest crimes or the biggest crime your father committed was he dropped the ball. He didn't drop the ball. He never tried to pick up the fucking ball. That he he did not do his highest priority, which is to protect. Yes. Yes. And just out of curiosity... Just out of curiosity, and maybe the answer is no. Considering that one thing, he did not protect you. She's doing all of these horrible things, and in addition to the horrible thing he did, but on the protection thing, he did not protect you. The one fucking thing that the parent has to get right. Physical protection, emotional protection, he did not protect you. I'm just curious, and it's okay if the answer is no. Do you hate your father? No. No, I know my youngest sister and I, we love him so much. And we have told him if he ever walked away from my mother, we would support him in every way we could because we saw the beatings. And I guess we have, I know I have, it was, dad, you were weak to start with and you never even had a chance. I can't even answer why he was weak to start with, but he never had a chance. And that, that has gotten our sadness and our pity. Fair, fair. Um, I'll be honest with you. I hate him. I hate him. And while I, maybe some listeners don't, I know I have plenty of listeners that do because I'm thinking about what your mother's doing and he's aware of it and he's facilitating some of it. And on top of it, he's laying next to you naked while you're sleeping. I'm sorry. There's no world. I've never wanted to think of that. I've never, I've wanted to have some parents There you go. I've never wanted to think of it. Exactly. That the child and the adult has to create something to make me, the word you used just now that I, folks may have missed it, you used the word safe. I I never wanted to think about it because I wanted to have some measure of safe. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Right. But the truth is, no, you weren't fucking safe with him. You were extraordinarily unsafe with him. The one person, but they always look nicer standing next to the giant monster. Well, that was mom in this case. And dad, you little fucking pansy. You fucking, you're not even a half man. You're not even a small man. You're a fucking coward and you didn't protect me. But the child has to create a myth because inside of them, they have to feel safe somehow. Dad's at least better than mom, which he wasn't because he was laying naked next to you. So uh, he wasn't. But in the child's mind, well, he's nicer at least or he's better than mom. And and now, oh, he's so feeble as he ages or, oh, he's such a nice. No, he's a fucking coward who didn't do his fucking job. Not that a father's job is just to protect or just to provide. It's far more than that. But boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. No, no you said... I don't know what to do with that thought at the moment. I'm not prepared to take that on yet. Exactly, exactly. And this is it. When we turn and face that wave, when we go down deep, we find the ugly. We find the scary. 
He didn't, he didn't, he didn't even fail at parenting because fail assumes trying. I'm not even hearing him fucking try. I mean, sure, yeah, he was nice some days or he took me to T-ball or boy, we had those family vacations. Yeah, but what the fuck? And, and, and you made the comment, I've not wanted to think about that. There we go. And so, and, and you have to understand, you have to understand, you have every right two minutes, two days, two hours, two months from now to change your mind, all right? I'm not trying to ram this down your throat. I'm, I am trying to stick it in your mouth so you at least taste it. I, and you spit it out. If it does not feel, nope, Sven's fucked in the head. That's okay. I don't mind being wrong, whether it's today, tomorrow, two years from now. That's okay. You've got to find what your truth is. I'm simply saying as an outside observer, he's a fucking piece of shit. Fuck him. For not just for laying next to you naked in bed. Sorry. There's no version of fucking reality where that's even remotely okay. Oh. What? Thank you. It's true. Oh my God. Thank you. There's no version of reality where that's okay. There's no, there's no definition of parenting anywhere that is even remotely reasonable and good that has that as acceptable. No. It's just fucking horrible. And him not protecting you? What the fuck? You're not even a parent. We all make mistakes. I have made more mistakes than most parents out there. But that? That's not a mistake. That's just grievous inhumanity. And so when we see the what has been done, and in your case, it's so fucking obvious what was done, what was not done. The, the deeds, the words, when we see that clearly, when we have the courage to turn and face that tidal wave and let it wash over us and all the truths that come up, the truths of all the feelings, the truths of all the realizations, and now the truths of implications. Well, what the fuck? Wait, that means I've never been safe. Wait, that means I've never had a family. Maybe my sister, whatever. I have been alone the entire, forgive me, goddamn time. No one protected me. I've been alone the whole time. The implications, when we turn and face and see and feel all of that, it's powerful. But here's the thing. When we look at the truths of what was done and look at it as an outsider and look at that little girl in the movie titled Ellie that Steven Spielberg made when I gave him all your notes of your life today. And we look at that little girl, Ellie, we see all her reactions, what we realize, and what you, at some point, have to realize, Ellie, wait, if all this shit was done to me, and all these horrible names were called to me, and all of these just cruel things, your mother inspecting you and touching you all over and with rage in her spirit coming out at you, and then she's calling you demon-possessed, all this stuff, once we look at all that was done to you, huh, then maybe it was not your fault. Maybe you're not the horrorist of horrors and you never were. Maybe it's been a lie the entire time. Maybe your self-belief system that you were taught to believe about yourself was never true and you've been living out what you taught, what you were taught what you were lied to, what you were told about yourself. And maybe your entire life has been a reaction to all of the messages and all of the pain. So even when you cheated, 
It came from this place of deep longing, this place of deep pain, and the lies that you were taught about yourself. Does that excuse the cheating? No, it doesn't. Obviously, you still, you know, we still have to apologize and own the shit we've done, but we can understand the origins. Holy fuck. I was, I was responding. I, I was living out a, a belief system, a virus in the operating system. I was living that out. Your whole life, you've been living out a lie, and it was never true to begin with. It wasn't your fault. You're not the problem. It's, you've been taught you were never good enough and that you were bad. It was all bullshit. What's going on inside of you? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's it going on? It all makes sense. It's just, I hate to use the word relief again, but just, it makes sense. It makes sense why that pasture, that space was why I have never been able to let go of wanting to be there. Why that feeling for safety has been so strong because they've been hiding it here. Why when somebody presents himself or herself as safe, why do I glom onto that so hard? It makes sense. It's really sad, but it's just a relief of, oh my God, it makes sense. I am not so totally broken and fucked up. You were never, you never like were I fucked up. Just, I'm not just making such a horrible decision. No. no. This wasn't your natural state. This is not your natural state. Down in your soul, you're good. You're that good, beautiful, sweet, rambunctious, sassy, creative, loving little girl that you always were. That's your essence. That's who you are. Every, all this other stuff is bullshit that's been packed on. And what we did today is we took a stab at, we started pulling out the crud. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, Ellie, you can continue to do this now on your own. Everything that you did today with me, it's all there in the book and you can do all this on your own. You can heal on your, you can do it with your therapist, whatever, but you can do it on your own and just keep doing it. And the more yeah. you do it, the more it's gone, the more you do it the more it's gone and the more realizations you have and the more you see, oh shit, the implications of this. Wow, blah, 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 blah. Um, but today, you know what's that great quote? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And the yeah. single step was, you know, getting the book. Single step was reaching out uh, to my producers. Single step was, another step was getting on the show. Another step was and telling us a story. Another step, another step. So you're doing it. You're already getting down the path. You're, do you're doing great. You're, you're, animal today just savage in your courage today it was fantastic thank you yeah so as we wind it up here uh any final thoughts or questions i'm just thinking of the rest of the story and now it feels manageable to face mm. Mm. it's gonna be yeah. awful it's, yeah. it's still ugly but now it yep. feels manageable i didn't know where to start yeah. Wow. And you didn't just start. You you took off. It was awesome. <laughs> Great. Great job. I'm so proud of you, Ellie. And uh, this, none of this shit was your fault. Um, and, and then, you know, all the different feelings you can then use Sedona on and go into in your journaling and go into it in writing a letter. Um, and I step you through that in the book, writing letters. And you don't have to do it till you get to that point in the book, writing letters to mom that you never give her. You don't ever have to say right. word one. You don't ever have to. And But you can let out all of your rage, all of your sadness, all of your bullshit guilt that you've felt, been taught to feel because you're a bad girl. All, all of that needs to come up. All of it is us cleaning out the crud. All of it 
all of it is us getting the corrosion out of those pipes so mm -hmm. we can pipe some gas into that pilot light and really stoke that divine spark inside of you to full flame. Ellie, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You just, wow, it's just fantastic, courageous, such a big heart. You were willing to be vulnerable. And, and I actually want to end on that. I had a client say to me, went through similar stuff with her. Um, successful woman, smart, attractive, blah, 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 woman, wonderful. And doing similar work with her, going very, very deep, unearthing some very powerful stuff. And she made the comment after just a couple of months of working together. And she said, Sven, my life has completely changed. And she said, the biggest change I realize is that I'm more vulnerable, but I feel less vulnerable. It's interesting, isn't it? That she can live... And that's to be vulnerable means to live from the inside out. It's to reveal, like you did today. You revealed something inside of you about your story. Well, that's being vulnerable. It's taking the inside and it's putting it out there. That's what it means to be vulnerable. We don't like to share our pain or our dreams or our fears or whatever because it's vulnerable. So she's saying, I'm living more from the inside and putting it out there, but I feel less vulnerable. In other words, it doesn't scare me to live that way. And that's what it means to live an integrated life, to have the courage to a bit more, a bit more, put my real self out there and to be okay with that. And that's coming for you. And today you took monster steps. I'm so proud of you. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so very much. And stick around. We're going to do a quick overtime afterwards. To all of our listeners, I know I speak for every last one saying, wow, and wow, and thank you, Ellie. And wow, uh, Rob, any final thoughts? No, the notion of a 14-year-old um, girl being held down and having demons cast out of her, I'm sorry, I, I have no words. I'm uh, just profoundly sad. Right, uh, agreed, agreed. And yes, because she pulled her sister, whatever, for any reason, but especially... Yeah, uh, agreed, agreed. Thank you so much uh, to Casey, to Rob, to all of our listeners. Thank you for joining us once again for an ex riveting, extraordinary episode of The Badass Counseling Show. Have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.